Welcome to Personal Financial Strategy, the podcast, a podcast wholly devoted to you and your relationship with money, bringing expertise to bear on how you earn, invest, and spend your hard-earned cash. I'm your host, Tony King, and today we welcome a special guest to the podcast, Ryan Morrissey. Ryan is the founder of Morrissey Wealth Management, where he partners with individuals to help them plan their retirement by reducing taxes, investing smarter, and optimizing their income. Welcome to Personal Financial Strategy, the podcast, Ryan. Thanks, Tony. Glad to be here. Great. Thank you for spending your time with us this morning. All of our listeners like to know where people live and work, and so I always open the podcast with uh, asking that same question, where do you live and work, Ryan? Sure, I live in Connecticut. Uh, for those people who know Connecticut, I live and work in North Haven, Connecticut, right next to New Haven. Oh boy, you're in you're in the thick of things there. I mean, that's big time insurance land and yes, that, right? pizza capital. The pizza capital of people argue the world is in New Haven, Connecticut. Pizza? Pizza? Yes. No kidding. I had no idea. Yeah. So you're going to have to give a shout out to your favorite in New Haven. Yeah, my favorite in in Connecticut would be Sally's Pizza. There's two big ones in New Haven, Sally's and Pepe's, and Sally's would be my pick. Is that right? All right, you guys. If you're ever in New Haven, there's your dinner. That's it. All right, man. Well, as we spoke beforehand, I like to give all of our guests the opportunity to tell their story how they ended up doing what they're doing today. So I'll give you that same opportunity right now. Please tell Sure, us. yeah. Yeah, so as you mentioned, I'm a wealth advisor, focus on helping people within five years of retirement to figure out how they can retire and how to manage that. And um, I went to school at the University of Delaware where I studied economics. One summer I was looking for an internship and I got an internship with a financial planner in Connecticut. And after spending, you know, three, two and a half, three months working there, realized that it's something that I wanted to pursue. I really didn't have a clue, you know, what I was going to do in college. So I went back to school and ended up uh, interviewing with a couple of big firms. I ended up getting a job with Morgan Stanley. And that's, that's what launched me into to doing what I do now. Thank you very much for that. I'm going to ask you maybe a little second level question. Maybe it's a little deeper. What would you say, Ryan, is the why behind what you do? Yeah, after I became um, licensed with Morgan Stanley, I mean, one of the big things you start to do is figure out, okay, how am I going to get clients, right? So I started talking to some family members, some friends, and my grandmother, I had discovered when my grandfather passed away, he had taken a very reduced survivor pension for my grandmother, right? He had only left her a third of his pension. So he thought he was, you know, he was in great health when he retired, thought he'd live a long time, ended up dying about 10 years later. So it put my grandmother in a really difficult position. And due to some good advice she actually got from her advisor, she was able to really tighten her financial belt, so to speak, and stay in her house and live there, you know, for a very long time after. And ended up, you know, having a significant amount of money, you know, when she when she passed away. So that's really the why to try to help people to, you know, make the best of their situation and not not be in a bad situation due to either not knowing what they're doing or just getting bad advice. I hear you. That's uh, 
That's a great why. I mean, it's it's a very personal why. I mean, your grandmother, I mean, holy gas. Yeah. You, you witness firsthand the, the significance and the um, relevancy of financial planning happened right in your own family. Sure. So that, that's awesome. It prob- probably keeps you going every day. Definitely. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. These are questions I get asked. And as you know, Ryan, I don't really deal with uh, retirement planning at all. We're, we're more uh, around personal financial strategy. We're more involved with day-to-day finances, but I get asked questions all the time about it. So I like to tap into your expertise. And here's one of the questions I get asked pretty frequently is, hey, Tony, which, which is better, a Roth, Roth IRA or a 401k? That's kind of the format that it comes okay. in. You know, so if you can kind of peel up some of the hair off, the, off the sure. And, so and give us some insight into the differences between the two. Okay, so we'll just talk Roth and leave off the four hundred one k part, I guess, for now. So you have Roth money, which could be a Roth IRA, a Roth four hundred one k, and then also you have pre tax money, which is your traditional IRA or traditional four hundred one k. So the Roth money, as probably your listeners know, you pay tax on that money as you earn it. But then if you qualify, you can put it into the Roth account where it grows tax deferred. And as long as the tax rates stay the way they are, the money comes out tax-free. So the real way to determine that would be looking at what your current tax bracket is and what you think your future tax brackets are. So if you're in a high tax bracket now and you expect to be in a lower tax bracket in retirement or later in life, you might be better off with the traditional 401k or IRA where you get a deduction now and save money at a higher tax rate and then pay tax at a lower rate when you take it out. If you think you're going to be at a higher tax rate in the future, then you probably would be better off with the Roth, where even though you're not getting a deduction on the contributions, the money, as long as the tax rates stay the same, is going to come out tax-free, and that could be very powerful down the road. Mm -hmm. And given your expertise in this area, what's your prediction for future tax rates? (laughs) I think they're going to be higher. That would be my prediction. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's a crazy thing because we owe a ton of money as a country, right? We keep printing a lot of money. We're starting to see some of the negatives of that now with the high inflation. And it's, un, you know, there's different schools of thought as to whether we're going to have to ever have to pay this money back that we owe. And, but if we do, right, we're going to have to raise taxes at some point or we'll never be able to pay back what we owe. So that would be my bet, but I guess we'll we'll find out. And so to be clear, if that's the scenario and I'm I'm plowing my money into a Roth IRA today and I'm say I'm 50 years old, 15 years from now, I want to start start enjoying some of that money. Sure. And the tax rates have gone up. I'm gonna have to pay the differential from when I put the money in and take the money out. No, you wouldn't pay any tax. So that would be really good. So if you had Roth money, you already paid tax on the money as you earned it. You didn't get a deduction on putting the money into the Roth account. And then when you take it out in the future, it's all tax-free income. So if you had a $200,000 Roth IRA, let's say in retirement, you took out 50,000 one year, that 50,000 is not counted as taxable income. Fantastic. So yeah. In- the face of rising tax rates, you would favor a Roth IRA. Definitely. But to throw a variable in there, going back to one of the biggest sources of income that a lot of people have in retirement, that's Social Security. 
that used to not be taxable. And in like 1983 or 84, there was a big Social Security tax act that went through and they made Social Security taxable for most people. So there's always the possibility that if we did have these massive deficits that we had to pay back, the Congress might say, you know what, we can't afford to not have Roths be taxable. Maybe we're going to tax them at a 10% rate or some arbitrary number, just make up a number. Uh And so you hope that never happens. But that's the other side of the coin, that if you bank entirely on the Roth, you could end up having to pay taxes again if Congress so decided they wanted to do that. I see. I see. And you're using uh, Social Security as a kind of a precursor, or maybe a forecaster of what could happen. <laughs> Hopefully not, because there's often the, uh, I don't know if your listeners have ever heard of the $5 billion with a B Roth IRA that someone has. No, there's an investor named yeah, Peter Thiel. He was one of the early investors in Facebook and uh, PayPal. And he put, put those early shares in his Roth IRA. And so they grew exponentially to worth billions of dollars. I don't know if they're still worth that, but the government's not too happy about that because that's $5 billion that they're not getting any tax revenue on until they ever decide to change the rules on Roths. So there is legislation that is pending, who knows what to go through, that will cap also the amount of money you can have in your Roth at, I think, like 5 or $10 million. They'll make you just take it out. So, I mean, it'd be nice to get to that point, but that's some of the things that Congress is thinking about that they are now aware of. Oh, this Roth is great, but now what happens if we get these massive dollars in these Roth accounts and we never get tax revenue on them again? Gotcha. Wow. Thanks, Mr. Teal. Appreciate that. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Okay. Another question that I get pretty frequently is uh, just kind of the, the, the bald face question of, Hey, Tony, do I need long, long long-term care health insurance as part of my retirement plan? Yeah. I mean, that's another great question. So I would say the answer is probably yes for most people. Um, Depending on what statistics you look at, that are put out by the government, about 70% of people I think that make it to retirement age will need some type of long-term care help. That could mean like part-time care in your house, maybe doing like household chores, all the way up to full-time you know, nursing care. So it's then just a question of how you pay for it. If you look at the cost of long-term care insurance, it's definitely less expensive to pay for it through long-term care insurance because like all insurance, Many times you buy insurance that you never use, right? You have homeowner's insurance on your house in case you have an accident or a fire in your house, right? And they would pay to repair your house. Right. Same thing with long-term care. Um, A lot of people will pay for it and never use it. The problem is that it's a lot less than people's homes will burn down so that it costs a lot more. So the odds are that, you know, there's 70% chance you'll use it. So the insurance companies have to charge a fair amount of money for that because they know that most people that buy it are going to use it. So even though you probably need it, the difficulty is just the cost. So that's where you really have to look at your budget in retirement and your cash flow to figure out what you can afford and also what you can continue to afford because the premiums don't stay the same. They have the potential to increase in the future. (laughs) So you you wouldn't want to buy something that you could afford today, but you couldn't afford, you know, 10 years from now. Right. When you actually need. When you need it. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I I have a little bit of background in the property and casualty insurance market. And we also sold at our agency, we sold life insurance and we sold long-term care 
policies. And sure. this, is, this is a while ago. I mean, I'm talking more than 25 years ago. So more than 25 years ago, long term, I mean, it, it was a little bit of a, when, when the subject would come up, frowns would <laughs> on everybody's face because of just what you mentioned, the actual cost and, and the likelihood of, it, it was difficult to align the premium cost with the benefit because it's so far away and you don't know if you're going to use it or not. Sure. I understand. I've heard through the bull rushes that insurance companies have gotten a little more creative in how to pay for long-term care insurance. Do you, are you familiar with some of the more creative plans? Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I have a podcast to retire with Ryan and, um, I had an expert on a couple episodes ago. We delved more into this, but I'll just mention like there's really a couple of different ways. We were talking about traditional where you just, you keep paying every year until you use it or until you die. That's traditional long-term care. Um, there are policies where you can pay up front where you put a certain amount of money up front, maybe like 50 or a hundred thousand dollars. And that's all you do. And then you get a certain amount of long-term care benefit on that money, like two to four times the value in long-term care coverage. I see. Then there's also like a hybrid one where it's a combination life insurance, long-term care, where either way, money's coming back to your estate. Whether you use it for long-term care, it's coming back to you, or it's a death benefit coming back to your family. So that's another option. So those are the three like main options. Well, that's that's far better than what we had 25 years ago. It is. The negative is that when you look at like the pure return on your money, if you look at it that way, you're much better with the traditional because you're getting like a 10 to 12% return on your money with the traditional long-term care versus the other ones you're not getting. You're maybe getting like a five to 6% return because again, the insurance company knows in those second two scenarios, they're definitely sending money back to you. Right. First scenario, there's a chance they might never have to pay you. So they can charge you less than if they know, okay, you're getting money back regardless. Right, right. The actual actuarial table comes into play. That's right, yeah. Ryan, I want to thank you for being with us this morning. You've offered great advice. Really appreciate your advice. And I want to give our listeners the opportunity to know how to best get in touch with you. You mentioned you have a podcast. I do. So if they want to listen to more of this, they can always check my podcast out on any of the major podcast apps. It's Retire with Ryan, or they can go to retirewithryan.com. Or if they're interested in getting financial planning assistance, they can go to morrisseywealthmanagement.com. That's M-O-R-R-I-S-S-E-Y, wealthmanagement.com. Right. And I assume... You, like many of us, have gotten pretty good at business over Zoom. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we're not really just uh, extending that invitation to get in touch with you to people in Connecticut or New Haven. We're extending No, that. you're right. Any, Pretty much any state in the U.S. I mean, that's the beauty of uh, you know being a fee-only financial planner. I can work with people anywhere. So That's awesome, Ryan. Yeah. Well, thanks again for being with us today. Appreciate your expertise okay. and advice. And hope you have a great week. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye now. And Bye. until next time, strategists keep on strategizing. <laughs> <laughs>